Hello and welcome to the BBC R&D Human Values podcast. A lot has happened since our previous podcast series and now we want to interview a few key people that have been on this journey with us as we find these cases and explore how the human values framework can be used alongside other existing frameworks. We hope you enjoy this podcast series and please get in touch with us if anything you hear catches your interest. We can be contacted on humanvalues.io. Here's Ian Forrester from BBC R&D, who will be your host. Thank you, Marisa. And we will start the interview with an introduction by the guests. Okay, so I'm Adam Gelpin, and I'm a lecturer at the University of Salford. And I run a course called Media Psychology, which is about understanding how we can use psychology to understand media use, to understand the effects of media, and also to design media and and design technology. So one of the things I'm really interested in and that I teach is how we can use psychology in the design process of of new technologies, basically. Great, thank you very much. Uh, So um, one of the things that we always ask is, um, you know, before, you ever you know, heard about human values um were you kind of interested in this area um and what was your interest was it kind of professional or was it or was it kind of like personal or was it a bit of both um i guess like just kind of like your thoughts about values before you heard about the bbc human values yeah sure um okay so it's a bit of a long convoluted journey i expect but um The area of psychology I come from is called cognitive psychology, so it's about understanding how the mind processes information, Um, and the concept of values didn't really enter into cognitive psychology really, but uh, when I first started working in the field of media psychology, it was using eye tracking to understand how people are interacting with websites, and then I started working with the BBC on a project understanding how young people used websites. So specifically, this was preschoolers. So I was working with CBBS, um, and then I started doing a bit of work on children's media use that stemmed from that. And I actually wrote a report for um, the BBC uh, on children's media use and how it developed across um, t- childhood and um, adolescence. Um, and their media related needs. So then I started thinking about basic human needs and I started getting into that quite a lot. And that started to inform my teaching on the media psychology course. Um, and then I think I think Leanne got in touch to say she'd read this report that I'd done on media related needs. Um, and would I like to have a chat about values? Um, and I think that was when I was first really really introduced to the idea that even though there is this kind of basic set of human needs that a lot of our behaviors can be traced to, um, the way that they're expressed might vary according to context or your kind of your, what you find personally important or the life stage that you're at. Um, so I had quite a few conversations with Leanne um, when she was starting on this, um, starting on the Human Values Project. Um, and since then, I suppose I really saw a really great opportunity to use values as a framework for a lot of the activities that I was doing with the students on the media psychology course, because one of the things, I mean, increasingly so since I started teaching this area over the last 10, 12 years, some of the innovations in technology are really stretching or disrupting or confronting our values. And so it's becoming an increasingly important 
area to get our students to think about. Um, and so I've worked with Leanne quite a lot on briefs for our students to try and think about how they would incorporate values into the things that they, the work they do and the, and the things that they design. So it's interesting you say um, about kind of what it was like before and, um, and, and like not, especially in, in this area, uh, no kind of real thoughts about the values. Um, do you think that's, do you think that's completely changed now? Do you think that, that there are a lot more um, courses or are you the kind of very first course to, to start thinking about the values as like the kind of the core of, of, um, of a human? Uh, so the idea of values has been around in psychology for uh, for a few decades. So there's a theory by Schwartz, which is quite well used within psychology um, on human values. Um, but I think what it, it wasn't it wasn't an area of psychology that I was particularly familiar with, um, and it wasn't something that I specialised in. And it was through this study of the, of the digital world and technology use um, that I started to realize the significance of human values and particularly the framework that Leanne's developed is, is developed specifically around kind of our digital interactions. Um, and so it's, it's, it's become a really useful one, I think, for getting me to think about that. But in terms of like other courses, um, we're the only media psychology course in the country. I'm quite proud to say that. Um, and so I don't think there'd be many other discussions going on in academia that are really looking specifically at this kind of area about how values are flexed within technology. Um, I'm, not, I'm not claiming sole ownership of that topic by any means at all, because there are some fantastic papers out there. But in terms of courses, I think we're quite unique in that respect. Do you think that there should be uh, more, uh, or do you think there will be more in the next next few years because especially with all the stuff that's happening um and, uh, and there's always a a need to to get back into the um into into this area because you know they're building the, the, the technology a certain way they're designing the technology a certain way and no one's really thinking about the psychological effects of that well they are but they're, they're thinking about it kind of almost like the after effects rather than the kind of uh, the effects right at the beginning and kind of get into the root of the cause and it seems like a a good place for a university to be doing that so do you think that there will be more universities that kind of follow your route? Um, I, I think there should be really so um, the reason I think it's important on our course is because a lot of our students go off and they work in UX as either UX researchers or UX designers and because they've then got a stake in the design of the technologies that people are going to be using in the future i think it's really important that they start thinking kind of automatically about how what they're doing is is incorporating values or constraining values um i i, I don't know whether other cyber psychology courses have values embedded in the stuff that they teach i i'm not sure whether they do or not um but i think it's i, I think it's really important for two reasons one for ethical reasons because we don't want to be designing technology that are constraining people's autonomy or threatening their, their well-being. Um, and then from a kind of more commercial perspective as well, technologies that don't support people's values are probably more likely to fail. And those that do facilitate the kind of um, people being able to express their values successfully are more likely to succeed. So there's the kind of ethical side of it, but then there's also the commercial side of it. And so Talking about the students, um, so 
you said a few times that you that you've done a number of projects with um with the human values team and Leanne in particular um but can you give like a a kind of not a summary but like a few of the the kind of briefs that, that we've set you and also the students but also like some of the outcomes some of the unexpected outcomes and some of the the stuff that's like this definitely needs to be taken forever for example so like recently we had a a number of um um you know kind of i call them pitches they're not really pitches but like stuff from the students um and i'm i wonder if there was you know some of the things that we might have missed or some of the things that um that are like always in the top of your mind when you're thinking about oh that was a really good project that was a really good idea that was um one of the really interesting dissertation projects that uh, one of our students did a couple of years ago, David, he was looking at the way autonomy could be supported or, or, or disrupted by smartphone use. And he did a diary study where he followed um, the participants across, I think it was a week. And he really captured something which I think is quite interesting, which is the sort of way that when one value is supported, another can be pulled out of, pulled out of shape. So he found that... Um, a lot of the apps on the smartphone, sort of like a, a Swiss army knife, supported various functions and helped people to be autonomous and independent, you know, like kind of Google Maps, help people to get places and find places. Um, but on the flip side of that, they became very dependent or they felt they experienced a dependency on their phones. Um, they experienced anxiety when they were away from their phone. They experienced anxiety when they were disrupted and interrupted by notifications. Um, so I, I think that project was really interesting. And that was quite an early project in our collaboration. But what it did was highlight this sort of tension between you get something that really helps one value, but really distorts or threatens another one. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and then another interesting project was on Snapchat and Snapstreaks specifically. And that was a student who was looking at the way that values were supported through Snapstreaks. You know, why are they so important? What are they tapping into? Uh, why are they so popular? I mean, and she found that the Snapstreaks really supported a sense of human connection because they were forcing people to send information you know every day about themselves and so that led them to kind of even sending quite mundane stuff but that those mundane details really helped their communication partner to understand stuff about their lives that they might not have shared otherwise but the flip side of that was this anxiety um about you know keeping up the snap streak not letting the other person down and then that had an impact on this on the sense of autonomy that they had you know they felt they weren't in control anymore they had to keep keep the snap going even though they couldn't uh, couldn't didn't have anything kind of meaningful to share so those two projects i thought were quite interesting um and then the other way that the human values has really entered into the way that we deliver the course is the students do a design project where they have to design a kind of a piece of technology. It can be quite futuristic. It doesn't have to be something currently feasible, um, but they conduct human-centered design research to understand the values that people want and how to embed those values in future designs. Um, so we've taken different approaches to this over the years, but this year we did one on online learning because it's very topical given that that's how everything has been delivered this year. Um, and so some of the values that really came to the fore in these projects was this kind of a sense of connection. So connecting with, the other, with others, 
became a really important value. Um, but then also ones that you might expect in any sort of educational context, like um, kind of achieving your goals was a salient one across all the projects as well. So the students um, did some initial user research, kind of unearthed these values being important to their users, then went off, ideated solutions to how to design new technologies that support those values, did a second round of research where they kind of focused in on particular prototypes, and then came up with some kind of nice ideas about what they felt was missing from their current educational offering. So it's quite interesting for me as an educator to hear about this as well. Um, and how those new ideas support the values which the users felt were missing. When I first heard about uh, Snapchat, I've never been on Snapchat, but when I first heard about it and I heard about these snap streaks, I was, I just couldn't believe, um, you know, I, I just, I, mean, I like this term that gets used quite a bit, uh, or I got used when uh, during um, the Cambridge Analytica scandal um, was um, weaponized psychology. Yeah, I was just like, this taps right in, really deep, and I was like, oh man, this is this is this is so bad, you know. But it's interesting to to look at the the other side, you know, what is it that is actually enabling? Um, you know, like I think that's an interesting uh, viewpoint on it because I more instantly just kind of like, I wasn't kind of like ban it, but like I was just like, oh, this this is this is too much. But then um, then again, there's um, for example. Uh, I publish a, a graduate, not graduate, uh, a gratitude diary every every day, um, and I notice that WordPress is kind of like, "Hey, you've hit your twenty seventh year post streak. You know, keep on going." And it's like, "Oh man, I'm not, I'm not down with this. I won't miss a day just to just to get rid of it." <laughs> but it's interesting all of this stuff and how it kind of applies. Um, I guess, especially when it comes to the later projects, I know one of the questions that I had for the students was, um, you know, they naturally went for a social network um, rather than something else. I, I wasn't sure what else there would be. There could be a number of other things, but they kind of naturally went, you know, this makes sense in a kind of, uh, because they identified other values that come from a social network. I was wondering if you were, uh, and it's unfair to ask you, but um, if you had a discussion with them about about that and what other values and how they discovered these values that made that kind of made them consider a social network opposed to something else. I haven't actually, um, and that would be really interesting, but um, the presentations that they gave to the BBC on their projects, that was also the first time I was hearing about their prototypes as well. So I, 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 I'll get to read their reports in a, in a few days and that they should chart their sort of journey and how they translated their findings into their ideas. So um, I'll get back to you about that. I don't, I don't know the answer to how they came to social networks, but I, I think, what often happens is that they start with something that they know and explore from there. And because of the sort of compressed timescale for doing this project, they've, um, they would ordinarily do more iterations of design and ideation, um, which might take them away from the social networking ideas. Um, 
but uh, this is this is the, the point which which they got to was what they presented to you and i think they were using social networks because they know it's something that students are familiar with um it was it's something that could be launched quite easily because we already have the behaviors and the culture to know how to use a social network i think also um one of the one of the questions i had was um to the students was uh have they looked at uh, other types of social networks because um i'm and i think you're right about they can kind of go with what they know and the current social networks um tend to be all driven a certain direction and if they had like discovered some of these other ones it might have changed the way that they think about things so for example um there's one that was kind of like um suggesting that you'd back up what you're saying um and i said suggested that there was um there is a um a mastodon network um which is a scholar not something but where every time you say something you you add a reference to to um to where it comes from so that you can be kind of like fact checked and stuff like that and it's it changes the way that people talk and and say things and you know um it's interesting I, i'm not normally on there that much but it's one of those things that a little tweak like that makes a massive difference where if you imagine doing that on facebook uh, i don't know how well that would go you know but um it, i could i think if i had the opportunity uh, especially if there's another another stage of the project is um i would love to introduce them to some of these other networks because um they i think it would change the the lens of what they're seeing as a social network uh quite radically so so there's another opportunity to work with bbc yeah fantastic yeah it's, it's interesting that example is really interesting because um one thing that the students didn't have a chance to do was to um, to recruit other stakeholders into their design process. So they didn't have a chance to talk to academics who obviously are an important stakeholder themselves in any educational technology. And so the idea of a completely unconstrained social network, when, when I was hearing about that, I was thinking, okay, so that worries me that I, you know, maybe that's just a kind of control thing you know, my own level of control that I would have, that there would be this whole forum, which I'd have absolutely no control over the information that was distributed around. Um, and I like your idea then that this is kind of like fact checker or like validity checker, how reliable is this information that's going out there? Um, and that that might have emerged if they'd have had a chance to talk to a group of academics as well. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's the, um, yeah, the, obviously it's difficult when they're uh, working remotely, uh, at home you know um but it, it is i think that that could be interesting and I'd, I'd i'd love to be able to at least show them um and then for them to also talk to academics like yourself kind of going whoa wait a minute um you know how do we how do we judge that this information is is actually correct uh or is actually coming from a source that hasn't been manipulated all those kind of questions that, um that we could talk all day about misinformation and disinformation so yeah. um so one of the things that i know um yeah this project that we well this stage of the project um uh, which is funded by nesta we're looking to um to basically have a, a written um document at the end of july but also um we're looking to build 
a kind of online assessment. Um, and I think this is, it will take something, it will take the kind of role of like a psychometric. Uh, it's not quite that, but it's kind of on that, lean on that, that kind of direction. Um, I'm wondering if this would be useful to students, maybe not necessarily because it's meant to, it's meant to like, you know, you, you, if you run a business, then it's like, okay, well, um, let's look at your business, you know, uh, is your business donating to this? Is it doing that? You know, those kind of things. But, but do you think that those questions might be interesting to the students? Because I can imagine, you know, this is our first iteration. And I can imagine that the students would love to unpack those questions and maybe come up with some new ones. Yeah, I definitely think it would be interesting. Um, I think there's a, a number of things that they could gain from having a sort of more quantitative assessment of values. For a start, I think it gives them a chance to understand their own value system. And I think that's really interesting for people to reflect on. Um, I th people can reflect on it, but I don't think they necessarily do very often. Um, I also see a real benefit in giving a means for people to understand the value system of other people or other groups of people as well. Um, so for instance, we've just been talking about how students' ideas might not necessarily align with the values of the academics. Um, and so I think that having a sort of psychometric assessment is a really good way of saying, okay, so these are the sort of values that emerge in this context for this group of people, but these are the ones that emerge in this context for this group of people. Um, I think that's quite a quite a valuable tool. Excellent. Okay. Well, it sounds like it sounds like another <laughs> another potential project. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I know that also at the end of because the you know there's a certain level of people are willing to put into a very long form. But uh, one of the other things that we're looking at is that the it would give you some kind of like not a score, but like give you an idea of like your a score, I guess, over the values um, or where to look next. But one of the things we're looking at afterwards is um, half day assessment. So if you were wanting to go into much more detail, then um, then we could take that score, take those, those questions and start to to kind of like find out more and point out the you know, direction of like how to make things better on certain um, with, uh, or compared to certain values or sorry, with certain values. And I think it's really interesting what you said about what value was taken away from no value. We might get quite a lot of that. So it sounds like also it could be something interesting for, because we need to design that assessment at some point, but can we say that maybe the students could be interested in, in being involved in or, you know, or, or something like that, you know? Yeah, I think they'd be really interested. They'd bite your hand off if that offer came along, I'm sure. <laughs> I will, I will bear that in mind. <laughs> um, so I think we're, we're near the end. So I want to make sure that you had a chance to say anything or ask me anything, um, you know, obviously related to human values. Um, you know, just kind of like, I want to make sure that you definitely get questions that you want to, or that you want to say um, related to it. Uh, no, I don't think there's anything particular um, that I wanted to say, but I've, quite interested in general about you know has this become sort of part of the culture shift now within R&D that embedding values has become a sort of a regular question that you always ask yourselves whenever you're exploring something new 
That's a good question. Um, I, I think it has. Within R&D, we're starting to get a lot more um, focus around you know, people's values. Um, so, for example, even um, with some of the... Uh, so also we've been focusing on sustainability and that taps into someone else's, into other people's values and like, why is this important? You know, and it's starting to affect like some of the, so even for example, I was talking to, um, and I was talking to the EBU, uh, a bunch of public service broadcasters about um, a technology that we were working on. And the best way to frame it uh, was with the human values. So I showed the human values, all 14 values. I said, look, we've been working on a thing called human values. Um, you know, I won't go into detail, but this is, you know, this is what we, this is what they basically are. And then I showed the existing broadcast methodology. And I showed like how many values were kind of ticked off. Um, and then I showed this other way of doing things and showed how many more values it, it kind of covers. And it, it's not it's not a precise science, you know, but it was like it became very clear that um, we we need to stop focusing purely on these kind of like very easy to get metrics, you know, um, and talking to public service broadcasters, they're also starting to understand that, um, but they're a bit slower and they you know, maybe haven't quite got the knowledge that we have and um, this is why we want to promote the human values widely so they can benefit from it because I know that uh, some of the public service broadcasters such as for example um, the oh I forgot their name now but they're the Finnish broadcaster um, they've been doing lots of stuff around this um, but they've not called it that they've kind of like taken a slightly different uh, view on it but they are also trying to rethink the notion of these kind of metrics. And obviously you've got people like, um, I, I, no, I just never said this, Mariana Mazzucato. I could never say her name right. You know, people like that who are writing books about this stuff. And I think that the, the general shift is not just in, within R&D, but the industry is starting to, slowly change there will always be the people who want to know so if you talk to tv people they still want to know how many dailies they got uh you know but they're starting to slowly realize that that that's not the only metric in town and um i'm hearing lots of stuff like for example the other day i heard about um actually liam was talking as well um I never really heard of, I heard of a double bottom line um, from an interview we did around human values last year, but I heard of a triple bottom line, which is um, profit, people, planet. And it, it kind of struck me that this stuff is starting to really get out there now. And it's starting to, it's starting to become, you know, not just a, the space of the B Corps, or the non-profits, it's starting to become like, actually, you know, the big corporations are going, we need to cover our triple bottom line. You know, it's no good if we're just kind of, um, you know, scorching the earth. It's no good if, if all our users are like locked in, feel like, you know, uh, feel horrible. And I think that kind of 
trend and that kind of like movement is starting to come back into the BBC. So it's kind of like we're, we're pushing out and they're pushing in. So, yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. I'd like to thank Adam Galpin for his honesty and his time. If you'd like to know more about the human values, then please do join us at humanvalues.io and please visit bbc.co.uk slash rd for more exciting projects, services and technologies. You've been listening to 2LO Rebooted from BBC Research and Development, telling the stories of BBC's technology and product groups.